here today. Let me invite you to turn with me to uh, this passage, to John chapter 8 and verse 12. I'm going to read this as we begin because this is at the heart. This is the meat of the message, if you will, as Jesus speaks in the midst of an event that was very important to the people of Israel during the day and the time that he spoke these words when he said, John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk the darkness, but will have the light of life. The grass withers, the flowers fade and fall. But these words of our Lord God endure forever. Heavenly Father, Lamb of God, we come. May we hear your word. May the one speaking before your people this day decrease that you, our Lord and our God, may increase in our hearing, in our sight, and in our understanding. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever experienced darkness such that it is overwhelming? And heavy. Now, around here we have lights, street lights for the most part on every street. We have parking lights that light up uh, South Byram and North Terry. Uh, We really don't experience the depth of the darkness that I think. John is speaking about here, the darkness of this world. But it exists in the world. And without Christ, we would be walking in the world's darkness. When I was a kid, uh, I mentioned to you several times that uh, we would travel from northern Mississippi, Greenwood, and sometimes Greenville, and uh, later on even from Jackson, and go into uh, Missouri, into the Ozark area. And I particularly remember one uh, summer where we left uh, Greenwood or Greenville. You'd have to refresh my memory on that, but... uh, uh, we headed up into the Ozarks, and we, we traveled. Uh, we stopped at every little uh, side shop, and we went into many caves. Uh, I remember one particular cave. Uh, I don't remember which one it was, whether it was a bridal cave or the Indian burial cave uh, or Marvel cave, but we went into a cave, We descended into that cave some distance from the entrance and we stopped as the guide told us that he was going to turn off the lights. He told us not to move, to stand where we were, 
And that eventually, never fear, the lights would eventually come back on. Well, the lights went off. And I have never really experienced, as I recall, anything like that darkness that enshrouded us. That overwhelming sense of darkness that was heavy upon us. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. It was disorienting. It was oppressive. Uh, It was um, palpable. You could feel it. It was terrifying. The only other time I have experienced anything like that is uh, one time in northern Africa, in uh, uh, northern Uganda, in Padepo National Wildlife Refuge, out in the middle of nowhere. No lights except the campfire, and once you got beyond the, the range of that light of that campfire, it was dark. And believe me, there were things lurking around in that darkness and that you did not want to come face to face with. Moses described the tenth plague as darkness that could be felt. I think that was an apt description of our experience in that cave and in the middle of Kadepo. The darkness could be felt. It was suffocating. It was overwhelming. We speak about often uh, light and dark. In our daily uh, talk with one another, uh, if someone doesn't understand something, we say that they are where? They're in the dark. And when they understand something, we say, ah, now they've seen the light. We're looking for light at the end of this COVID-19 tunnel, aren't we? When we observe someone acting differently than what we thought they would or should, we see them in a new light. What happens when a cartoon character understands something? You see that light bulb going above their head indicating Now they've got it. When we give the go-ahead for an activity to take place, what do we say? We give it a green light. When we expose something that has been hidden, we are said to bring it to light. It is in this light that we come to this word that I have mentioned to you. In Jesus we see that it is all about the light. It is all about Jesus, is it not? The scriptures, beginning to end, first to last, it is all about him. And Jesus is drawing this attention to him very deliberately and very purposely as we consider these I am statements. In John He is most recently fed the 5,000. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but that 5,000, according to John 6.10, 
were the number of men's heads that sat down there that day. Now they weren't just counting, uh, they weren't simply counting the men, but those men more than likely had families, they had wives, they had children, so there were many more than 5,000 people that were fed that day with five small barley loaves and two small fishes. Something, if you uh, very conservatively number, may have been between fifteen and 20,000 people that were fed that day, which makes this miracle, in my mind, so much larger than feeding 5,000, although that's pretty large in itself. These people said that Jesus must be the prophet that Moses had spoken about. So they began making plans to make him king. And Jesus withdraws and his disciples withdraw because this is not the time for him to come into the holy city as king of kings and lord of lords. The time is not yet right. The people are searching high and low for him, and ultimately they find him on the other side of the lake after, their, after the disciples have traveled by boat, after Jesus has walked upon the water. Uh, they, they attempt there to debate with the Son of God and demand a sign, another sign, like Moses had given to them. Jesus takes those religious leaders to the uh, theological woodshed, if you will, and he uh, reminds them that Moses was just a man who put on his robe just like everybody else put on their robes during that day. He was simply a man, and he didn't have the ability to call down manna from heaven. It was his father who had given that manna, And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He stands there and responds to them with these words. I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me, he said, will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus contrasts physical bread and spiritual bread. And he's saying, what you see here should remind you of what is standing here. For I am the bread of life. Jesus says there's another kind of bread other than this physical bread. And it is bread that God gives you. Spiritually. The bread that he gives is Real soul food, if you will, in the very best sense of the word. We saw the crowd's reactions. We saw how uh, they uh, rallied against Jesus. And one by one, group by group, they began to withdraw from him. And yet, his disciples, their leader, Simon Peter, said, Lord, Where shall we go if it is not to follow you? For you have words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One. Here is the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, the one who is anointed, the one who satisfies the deep longings and desires of our hearts. It's in that context that Jesus says, 
in John 8 and verse 12, that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Every one of these I am statements takes place in the context of the scriptures that we have them, but also in the context of certain events going on in the life of God's people, the people of Israel and those living in Jerusalem. Jesus' I am statements are given in a particular setting. And if we take them, if we strip those settings away from these words, they are simply words. But as we look at them in the context that Jesus gives them, they speak to us in a way that I believe God intends to speak to us, not superficially, but deeply. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, this takes place in the context of a particular feast, Feast of Booths. The Feast of the Tabernacles, the longest festival and feast of the Jewish year, one lasting seven days. This feast followed the Jewish New Year and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. It was a celebration of God's gracious provision to the Israelites, to his people in the wilderness and the completion of the year's harvest. There was a ceremonial water drawing commemorating the provision of water in the wilderness. There was a ceremonial lamp lighting, reminding God's people how he led them by that pillar of fire, even in the darkness of the night of the wilderness. The first of those ceremonies provided the setting for Jesus' proclamation that he is the living water. And the second, his statement about being the light of the world. If you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to John chapter 7, John 7, where it begins there, by John saying, after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee. It is the week of the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacle. And each morning during that feast, the priest would hold up a golden pitcher and the people would then follow him into and near the pool of Siloam, where he would draw the water, then these throngs of people, these crowds of people, would go back to the tabernacle singing what we know as Psalms 113 through 118. The Hallel Psalms. The Psalms of Praise. When the priest returned to the temple, he would there circle the altar once each day and then seven times on the last day and he would pour out the water on the altar. The people would often quote uh, scriptures, would be reminded of this passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 12. 
Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. That was intended to remind those people of how they drank water from the rock in the wilderness. Look at John chapter 7, verse 37 through 38. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, when all this was going on, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says, look, pay attention. Consider what's going on around you. See all this physical water? I am that living water. Not the rock, not Moses. This entire ceremony points to me. Who's it all about? It's all about Jesus. And if you're spiritual, spiritually thirsty, Jesus said, only I can quench that thirst. Well, there was water as a symbol during the Feast of Tabernacle, but there was also light and the illumination of the temple. For each night of the festival, four huge, as uh, history and tradition tells us, candelabras, uh, 75 feet high, were lit. It took, it is said, 60 pounds of oil to fill the bowls of those candelabras. The light from those candles would explode, shatter the darkness of the temple in Jerusalem, reflect off the limestone streets, the illumination of the temple. That entire ceremony pointed back to the wilderness wanderings when God's people had fled and left Egypt, and God had led them. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night that they might travel by day and night. And all the while, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from the people. And Jesus stood up at this point and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Don't you get it, folks? I am the light. You see the light piercing the darkness, but I am the light. I am the bread. The manna points to me. I am the living water. The water poured out from the rock points to me. It's all about me. It's all about Jesus. The people, for the most part, just didn't see it. And you know, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? When tradition replaces reality. Even we go through motions at times. Doing things. Even we forget, sometimes, why we do those things. During these times of restrictions with COVID-19, 
as we pull back so many of our activities and the things that we traditionally do, I was reminded by someone just this past week, as those things are stripped away from us, let the the clear path be seen to the one who stands before us. The reason that we do all those things and that when we get back to do all those things, what a joy it will be. What a blessing it will be. What a celebration that will be when we gather because it's all about Jesus. When Jesus spoke those words, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. He was saying, Jesus was claiming this, I am, I am God. Those are those words that hark back to Moses and the burning bush, to Yahweh, the great I am. And Jesus, by saying, I, I am, was connecting the dots for us and these people. He is the one who is God, who spoke, if you will, even out of the burning bush to Moses. And Moses went to God's people and said, I am has sent me. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Just as the bush burned brightly and cast light all around, so too Jesus is the light of the world and our light. But also one that is a consuming fire. That should stop us in our tracks because we approach Him and when we come before Him, we come on holy ground. And Jesus purposely applies this statement, I am, saying, I am God. The crowds understand what He's saying, but they don't really hear what He's saying. The religious leaders get it. Because Jesus is saying, I am God. They get it so much that they want to execute him for blasphemy. So John begins, even his gospel, if you look back in John 1, 1. It is this word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen or beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When did John see this glory? On a mountain where he and Peter and James witnessed the metamorphosis, the transformation, the transfiguration of Jesus. Referred to in Matthew. Chapter 17, verse 2. Jesus was transfigured before those three, and His face shone like the sun, and His garments became as white as light. John later writes in his little epistle, 1 John 1, 5, that this is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is what? 
God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. Jesus is claiming here to be that God. God in the flesh. He is the one who is the light of the world. Where do we first hear about light in the Scriptures? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that that light was good and He separated the light from the darkness. Now stop and think about that. There was light without there being any heavenly bodies at that point in time to reflect the light. God created this thing that we know as light. I don't understand that. I don't think physicists understand that. The psalmist declare that God is our light and our salvation. Isaiah prophesied some 700 years before Jesus came and walked. As we read in our call to worship that the people walked in darkness and they will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine upon them Isaiah, even in chapter 49, verse 6, says, Is it too small a thing that you, speaking of of Jesus and God, the triune God, be a servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. We saw... That Genesis began this mystery of light. Revelation ends it. As we read in Revelation 21, the city, the city of God, the new heaven and the new earth has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Jesus said, it's all about me. I am the light to the world. Not like those giant candles in uh, that festival of the tabernacles that lit up Jerusalem one time a year for eight days or seven days and, and then went out. He is the eternal light. The Word that is shining His light in the world, giving a promise. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness. Just like light is the theme in the scriptures, darkness is as well. And we know that this world is spiritually dark. Just look at it. Oh, the sun may be shining outside, but believe me, it's dark. It's oppressively dark, like that cave was. 
This world is spiritually dark. And Jesus has come as the light to expose the darkness. What happens when darkness is shattered by light? Those things crawling around in the darkness scatter, don't they? We lived in New Orleans at one time. And we did spray for roaches. But if anyone who's ever lived in New Orleans in that area, you know those roaches are as big as elephants sometimes. (laughs) And no matter how we tried to control them and contain them, Invariably, if we ever got up from the little house in Metri in the middle of the night and went to the kitchen and turned on the light, they would scatter. I know it gives me the creeps thinking about it. The light of God's Word exposes the darkness. It exposes sin in the world, and even in us. And this is a hard thing, isn't it? But it's necessary in order to convict us of our need for saving and salvation from that darkness. After appearing to Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus told Paul that he was sending him to the Gentiles. Do you remember that? to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Jesus gives that invitation to follow Him, and if we follow Him, we will never walk in darkness. It is Him we follow. It is all about Jesus It's not a church we follow. It's not a person we follow. It's not a cause we follow. It is Jesus we follow. And folks, that involves a commitment to Him. Obedience to Him. Submission. And a passion and desire to follow Him. To walk with Him. Following His Word. Serving Him. Loving what He loves. And hating what He He hates. And when we are enabled to follow Him by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to place our full trust and faith in Him by the work of His Spirit in us, we can praise Him for rescuing us out of that darkness, drawing us into His light. C.S. Lewis said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Is that the way we see? Is that the way we believe? Jesus again spoke to these people saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Life, Light is necessary for life. Have you ever tried to grow a plant other than a mushroom in total darkness? Well, I don't know that mushrooms are considered plants. I hope I don't have any biologists in here. They're fungi. 
But light is necessary for life, is it not? What happens when we take a plant and we put it in total darkness? Most every plant I'm aware of withers and dries up and dies. But when that same plant is exposed to the proper light, is nourished with water, the proper amount is pruned and maintained, what does it do? It produces fruit. For the fruit of the life consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, Paul says in Ephesians. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And isn't that what we're trying to do? As we walk in the light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the one who is our God. As Jesus calls us out of the darkness into the light. Paul describes that journey from darkness to light in Ephesians chapter 5, where he says, For you, now he's talking to the church there, were formerly darkness, but now you are what? You are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Where Paul says it's even disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. This is a message that we've heard, that we've heard from him and announced to you, John says in his first epistle, that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. He goes on to say, But if you say that we have fellowship with him, if you say that you're a believer and that you walk with him and yet have one foot in the darkness and are walking in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in the darkness? Do you want to be in the light? The world today is a dark, dark place. And I'm afraid it's going to get darker. Yet, we are called to be lights in the darkness. To let this light, little light of mine, shine in the world of darkness. So Paul says, as you live that way, as you live as children of light, Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as what? Lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain, Paul says, because I lived 
as a child of light. Christ is our light because we trust in him. He is our leader and we follow him. He is our life and we grow in him and we are called to reveal him to this dark world. As the light shall shine out of darkness. That is Jesus Christ who is shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of glory in the face of Christ. May that light that shines in us shine into the world at a time when much of our country and even our city, Jackson and the metro area, so much of the world is covered up with darkness of anger and rage. This is a time to ask God to shine His light in dark places through us. To replace anger with love. To replace prejudice with treating one another as God and Christ has treated us. To replace what is wrong with what is noble, just, and right, and true. You believe that Jesus is the light of the world? If you do, then he says that light shines in you. For he says here in Matthew 4, 5, 14, that you are the light of the world. That a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Is that light shining in you? Is that light shining through you? Let us shine a light the glory of God that we have seen in the face of Christ to those that we come in contact with every day, every week, through all of this time that leads up to the end of this year. I am the light of the world, for it's all about Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks that you are our God, gracious and good slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. May we be lights of this world. Well, not our own light, but a reflection of that light that has been given to us, that has transformed us. The light of the world. Jesus, our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen.